0: Hi Paul.
1: Hi Janina. Did I hear you say you'd been out with the dog?
0: <laughs> yes, just back from being on my daily walksies.
1: Cool. What's the weather <laughs> like today? It looks, it looks pretty well, blue skies-ish.
0: Really? We live in different parts of Stockholm then because here it's like it's grey and rainy and horrible. Yeah. It's horrible. It's February in Sweden. That's
1: and the that? days are getting longer. You can, uh, you can wake up in the morning and have daylight, and just about finish work before it gets dark, <laughs> depending yeah. on how much overtime you have.
0: <laughs> Perhaps a quick recap. We were going to be back in January with some podcasting for you guys, uh, and uh, instead we, at least I, uh, ran into COVID.
1: <laughs> Janine ran into COVID. <laughs> yes. But but uh, let's just say, welcome to the voice of five
0: G. Yes. It's a new year and we are back with a vengeance, Paul. We have a list of podcasts line up and we have some exciting times uh, ahead. Yeah. ahead.
1: It's yes. a new year, but it's an entirely old topic called 5G. <laughs> yes,
0: <laughs> it's getting old.
1: No. <laughs> I keep seeing people wanting to talk about 6G and I'm going, no, 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 no. It's too early for a podcast on 6G. <laughs> yes. We've got lots more to talk about.
0: Yeah, but today we are focusing on the future though, Paul. We
1: are. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. 5G is the future, but uh, it's going to be even more the future tomorrow and next week, and there will be next year. Mm-hmm.
0: And I thought I'd start off this podcast by asking you, what do you expect to see from 5G during this year? Like, if we're doing podcasting now, what will we see?
1: Yo, that's a very interesting question. Uh, the, I mean, I think the first thing is is more of the same.
0: Oh, that sounds so boring.
1: Yeah, well, it, <laughs> it is and it isn't. Since 5G came out, we've seen lots and lots of countries now adopting 5G so they're starting to roll it out but if you live in a country that's got 5g then yeah, then it's fairly obvious from uh, you know that the coverage in many countries and that depends a bit on the frequency bands they're using but the coverage in many countries hasn't reached everyone yet So there's a lot happening, a lot going to continue to be happening to roll it out. So both in terms of the area coverage, but also in terms of the capacity and the the amount of spectrum that they have available. So the performance will continue to get better and the coverage will get better. And that obviously is subject to which operator you have and which country you're in. Mm -hmm. So for consumers, then, you know, 5G is going to become more real more people will be able to experience it both both in the countries that already have 5g but also out in the world and as people renew their 4g subscriptions there'll be a lot more people signing up to 5g of course so the, you know we're we're starting into the into the fast takeoff of subscribers but we're also seeing the kind of the shift from the original non-standalone 5g systems the new standalone systems are on the way in Um, So we're starting to see commercial examples of of 5G standalone coming along. And one of the significant things with that is that that's the technology that's going to give you these shorter, faster reaction times that's going to support a lot of these uh, critical industrial applications and things like that.
0: Low latency.
1: Low Mm. latency. So we've seen a lot of interesting cases around and lots of interesting activity on industrial and systems for manufacturing, uh, ports and mining and all those kind of things that's a kind of one of these bootstrapping things where for it to happen you need to have the, everything in place but nothing gets into place until everybody has had a go at playing with it so that we've we've kind of been going through the the pilot schemes of different things happening we'll put it into this factory, but we'll, we'll see what it does. And then we'll go and build, put some more of it in the factory. And when we're happy with that, we'll, we'll roll it out to lots of factories. That That's the kind of process we're in. So I think we're going to see more of that happening. And then an example of that, it was last month, uh, January, Telstra in Australia, they did kind of world breaking project with uh, with one of their Agri foods uh, customers with a private network using 5G Standalone, which was a kind mm-hmm. of world first thing and using in fact a dual mode core which is a instead of just having to buy a 5g network you can actually buy 4g and 5g network that does both at the same time so you can run 4g and have a standalone separate 5g infrastructure Mm -hmm. so that was kind of cool
0: so uh, coverage and 5g sa standalone core and enterprise applications is what you're saying
1: enterprise applications yeah I think later in this podcast, when we stop talking, we might hear some more interesting things about what networks might get to in the future.
0: Yeah, but this is just the next year. Mm. This is just the next year, yeah. So, I mean, the, the coverage one, I think we can see that one coming because I heard that there will be 5G Spectrum auctions in India happening in March. So I guess that will be become reality for a large number of people there. Um, possibly within the next year. So that sounds interesting. And also when it comes to the coverage, of course, it's it's about the handsets. And there I just read, I think it was uh, Reuters who reported that uh, Apple will come with a low-cost 5G phone in March, which sounds also like something that this would have an impact on the uptake.
1: Absolutely. That kind of move down in the price classes is essential if you know, in terms of take up. And for a variety of reasons, operators want you to move to 5G. It can give you a better service, but it's also more efficient for them to run 5G than 4G for the same amount of traffic that they want to to, to get to serve. So um, it's kind of in their interests for consumers to move over to to 5G, but uh, they're not going to do that unless they can get a handset that's in their price range.
0: So one thing that I thought, oh, this is what you're going to mention that you didn't mention, that would be the AR, but VR glasses, not headsets, but glasses. Because I think that might be something that will come during this year. I guess we're going to talk more about that with Mr. VR himself.
1: Mr. VR on the way. I guess if I was 30 years younger, I'd, I'd probably be much more into VR glasses and things.
0: <laughs> <laughs> We're too old. We're too set in our ways, Paul. <laughs>
1: well, exactly. I mean, I have a feeling that, like the people that are the leading edge for that type of technology are considerably younger than I am in, in my venerable, venerable days. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Talking about old people, though, did you see the Super Bowl commercial was about 5G? This year, there was a the one Super Bowl with commercial. The, yeah. the Jim Carrey one that was the 5G related. Super, yeah. oh. <laughs> I don't know. Should we mention who it was for?
1: I think that was for Verizon, if I'm not mistaken.
0: I think it was. So they had the Super Bowl commercials. They're always very costly. So they spend a lot of time and money on them. And this year, it was actually a little 5G connected home. I think it was 5G home. Yeah?
1: Or as we like to call it, fixed wireless access.
0: Ah, <gasps> yes.
1: That's that's where you beam the internet into a home using uh, using five G.
0: But it was f- still five G. I
1: thought I thought it was an interesting advert because you know what you buy is this little black box that you put in the corner, except it's not a black box; it's a little white box.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and uh, also, what a take on the cable guy <laughs> that Jim Carrey it was a it was a yeah a parody of. Of that.
1: The cable guy.
0: The cable guy has gone wireless with 5G. Cool news. But let's now dive in really into the future and talk what we can actually see and what our experts at Ericsson sees when it comes to the data and when it comes to asking it, people out there will see uh, going forward when it comes to connectivity and the new functionality of uh, in networks. Right?
1: Exactly. And a little discussion of linear and non-linear forecasting.
0: Yes, (laughs) very important.
1: I think we're ready. Let's go.
0: Day on The Voice of IG, we're going to talk about the future. Paul, are you excited about the future?
1: Uh, absolutely. I get up every morning <laughs> thinking, oh, look, it's the future about to happen.
0: <laughs> That's so like you, actually. <laughs> yes, Paul has a, a bright disposition. I think perhaps I'm the more negative person that was too. What do you think?
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know. I, I can be depressed as well, like anyone, you know. So uh, what goes around comes around. But on a brighter note, we're about to talk about the future. Yes, we are. What does and the future we have, hold for us?
0: Yeah, we have two guests with us to talk about the future, to help us talk about the future. And that is Michael Björn, who is the head of Research Agenda at Ericsson Consumer Industry Lab. Hi, Michael.
2: Hello, hello. Great to be here.
0: Hi, Welcome to the podcast. And we also have to get a little bit of the data of the future. We also have Annette Lundvall and your project manager for Ericsson Mobility Report. You were here about six months ago in the podcast talking then about
3: Ericsson Mobility Report, the June edition. Welcome back. Thank you very much. Very nice to be back. And yes, yeah. that was the June edition. And since then, of course, we published a new edition. So we're going a little bit further into the future, stepping up one year since June. Yeah. So now our future stretches into 2027, at least. Exactly. So 2027
0: for Ericsson Mobility Report. But let's start off with the, what we're going to talk about today, the future meaning the 10 Hot Consumer Trends, a new report from this Ericsson Consumer Industry Lab, Michael. Uh, what is this report? Can you describe it?
2: Yeah, so, I mean, we've been doing this report for many years. So, I mean, uh, Paul, if you wake up and think about the future every morning, I could say that uh, me, my perspective was, is that the future was always better in the past. So (laughs) (laughs) uh, we've been doing this since 2011, actually, is when we published the first report. And the latest one, which I hope to uh, spend some time to talk about today, is actually about the hybrid future for consumers. So we talk a lot about the hybrid future at work, for example, and I think it's very sort of uh, heavily influenced by the pandemic and so on. But we are starting to realize that this hybrid future is not just the workplace, it's actually for A lot of different uh, activities in daily life. So that's where I hope to end up today, talking about the future. But I would be very happy to sneak back into the past as well and think about the the future of the past or the past of the future or whatever it is I got mixed up there. So back back to the future. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
0: So when you say consumer, like hot consumer trends, what do you mean with consumers?
2: Oh, consumers are... People, so so it can it's, be anyone. it's is every, it, everyone. It a is consumer? anyone and everyone. However, when we do this consumer trends report, since we specifically think about the future of, of the use of information communication technology and also the attitudes to sort of new consumer technology, we try to focus a bit more on what we call early adopters. So, I think specifically for the last three years, we have been taking a sort of a 2030 kind of approach in these reports. So so if you really want to look 10 years ahead, so Annette was saying now we're up to 2027 20, in the mobility report, but actually for the last three years, we have been focusing on 2030 in the consumer trends reports. Then you need to talk to people who are sort of at least aware of what's happening, what could be potentially possible from a technology perspective. So specifically then we have been focusing on people who are early adopters of uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, and also digital assistants for the last three years. Uh, so
0: uh, early adopters of, of the technology using the, the newest technology, right?
2: Yes, because we see you know, that uh, a lot of what people expect about things is based on their current experience. Right, that makes a lot of sense. So, if you have an experience of nothing changing, then maybe you will also say that, well, probably nothing is going to change. But if you have tried, let's say, an early virtual reality headset and you think, well, you know, it was very interesting, but it could probably improve a lot in in, in the next few years, then you can have a sort of a vision or an imagination about what could potentially happen in the next five years or the next 10 years. And that's what we're trying to capture then when we talk to early adopters.
0: And what's the method when you're doing this uh, report?
2: Yeah, so given the fact that we have been doing this now for then, uh, if you think about the process, it's been for 12 years now then, even though we've just done 11 reports so far. So what we do, we do in Consumer Labs specifically then, we do a lot of consumer research every year. So we have kind of a trend watch ongoing. So for all of the projects we do, we also look at, you know, maybe not everything comes into those normal reports, but we see, sort of, uh, uh, you could call them abnorm- abnormalities or sort of things that stick out, outlier ideas and stuff like that. And we pick that up. And we also, of course, do a, a lot of scanning of what's, what other researchers are doing, I- market researchers are, are doing. And also, uh, since we are now also in Ericsson Research, we also participate in sort of the technology scanning to see that the things we are talking about are potentially technologically possible. If it's technically possible, it doesn't mean that it will happen, right? It just means that it's possible. But then if you combine those things, then you can start building a story about what the future could potentially be. So we are not doing predictions, actually. We are doing potentials and stories and discussion points and try to pick up hot topics and, and, and sort of extrapolate them in a more visionary way than uh, sort of, so in, not, not using sort of linear algorithms, if you see. But, but
1: my understanding is your reports, they're not about uh, this is our prediction of what things are going to be. More, it's more about this is what consumers believe th- could be happening in 2030.
2: Exactly, yeah.
0: Or perhaps what they want things to be. Could it be a want as well?
2: It could be what they want. So expectations are, of course, tricky. What is what you want and what is what you expect? So, so again, it's the, it's, yes, it's the storytelling from the perspective of the consumer. But it could also be what they don't want. Yeah. So, for example, uh, we've talked about one of the trends we had a couple of years ago was about everything gets hacked, and not everyone wants to get hacked. In fact, most people don't want to get hacked. And I mean, this was a major concern when we published this because it's a it's a sensitive topic. But you have well, you say you know, but consumers believe that you know everything will get hacked. Uh, Or we talked about spying apps. You know, the idea that your smartphone is actually spying on you. Is this technically true or not? Well, that's a different discussion, but people actually experience this feeling that they're being spied on. So, mm. so it doesn't have to be what they want. It can also be what they're a bit worried about.
0: Of course. And looking back then 10 years, because that should be then what you said would be today, right? Or what consumers, sorry, what consumers <laughs> said would be today. I normally ask uh, when, when we do the Ericsson Mobility Report, I always ask what was wrong <laughs> in your predictions right <laughs> but i'm not gonna ask this at this time michael
2: i can give you the answer what was wrong
0: <laughs> okay that's easy okay i can give you the answer i thought i'd ask you instead what was right <laughs>
1: yeah I, I can ask michael what was wrong
2: games we didn't have we didn't highlight games in the first trend report and I actually so so this was 11 years ago so this was written in 2011 for 2012 and back then we didn't say it was going to be 10 years into the future it was just an unspecified future outlook so the 10 years thing has been just for the last three years when specifically asked people about what do you think about 10 years into the future but we missed games but i think we it's still interesting to look at what we didn't miss as well if that's okay yep. yes please <laughs> okay yeah so so i'll pick a few trends and i think one that really is very important here is is a trend that that's called social media redefine news reporting so this was back in 2011 we were saying you you know that people wow. are actually now going more to social media than to traditional news channels and this is as we speak this is totally changing the whole news media industry.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that must have been Uh, early, 10 years ago. Yeah.
2: 11 years uh, 11 years ago.
0: Wow.
2: (laughs) Then we also had some related trends actually to that because this was, I think, very much a key sort of insight back then. So another trend was called transparency greater than privacy. And what we were saying there was that people are sort of getting used to living a more more or less transparent life. So the fact that you could sort of share your data without knowing how third parties would use that or so on was something that people were very much getting used to. And I have a rather cute quote from that trend. It says that more than 250 million Facebook users are mobile and being twice as active as non-mobile users, they account for up to half of all Facebook activity back then 250 million facebook users that sounded like a huge number can you imagine so in that sense you said we didn't sort of since this wasn't predictions but we, i mean if you look today if you look at app any which is one of the sources for for so that we use i think also in mobility report at least in consumer lab we, we use that for on-device measurement data and so on to understand what people are actually doing that they present a yearly report and the one about the state of mobile for 2021 just came out a couple of weeks ago. And they say that uh, mobile advertising is now a 300 billion US dollar business a year and it's growing with about 20 percent year on year. So it's, it's, the huge, it's the thing that drives our industry, actually. So I think this was what we were talking about in more naive terms back then, if you put it like that. So this was actually when the whole hockey stick of smartphones was just happening around us. So we had trends about uh, making shopping easier. The fact that you would actually use this everywhere for everything, you know, in your, as a consumer, you also consume things, right? So, so this is a very important aspect of that. We also then had one which was more broad saying maybe not a very good trend formulation, but it was called mobile phones play a significant role in everyday life. We were talking about smartphones, but that term wasn't really fully established. So we decided to keep the word mobile phones so people could understand what we were talking about. And then one final one that I would like to highlight was, I think, and this was the one that actually got most of the criticism. Because with these trend reports, there are always people who don't like What you're saying, so to speak, because, you know, you try to (laughs) sort of uh, be a bit bold, you know. (laughs) And so so this was the one that people didn't like back then. It was women drive adoption of smartphones.
0: Hmm?
2: Hmm. Hmm? And so why didn't people like that?
0: Yeah. Why? Because there was new technology?
2: Yeah. Thanks for asking. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So the idea back then was, and I think this also, if you look at, uh, if we can talk a little bit about uh, mobility report project predictions, but I know that there was more focus on laptops and tablets and stuff like that back then because we did linear predictions. But what we were seeing was that actually women are much more communications oriented. So they were actually using the capabilities of the smartphones. Yes, there is on a global scale. There, is, there was and still is, unfortunately, a big income difference between men and women. So women were not the ones buying the, the most expensive new technology. But they were the, in, in this comparison, they were much more in need of this type of functionality. And when they used, so among those who actually had a smartphone, this was a smaller group. Men were a bigger group and women were a smaller group. But among the women who had a smartphone... They were much more active using all this new functionality for communication purposes. Yeah. So, so this was quite interesting. And that's, I think, why the smartphone explosion happened. Because this was not new technology. This was something that everyone in the world wanted.
0: Yeah, and it's so basic to like communicate. We missed the games. <laughs> you yeah, missed the games.
1: <laughs> but maybe games were already uh, established back then, and you didn't think it was a, a future trend.
2: Yeah, I, I don't remember. So maybe we didn't want to have that discussion all over again because we had already talked about that. I don't remember exactly. But but if you look now, so if you go back to the App Annie report, I mean, it's so there right now. There's 233 apps globally that gross more than 100 million US dollars or grossed in 2021. And 75% of those were games. And if you compare it to movies, as a comparison, then what App Annie, what they say in their report is that only 38 movies globally had uh, more than $100 million grossing in 2021. So yes, it's in the pandemic. So that's of course part of the story, but still games are huge.
0: The entertainment industry is also like overlapping now with the films becoming games games becoming films tv series in the mix and and also of course the the usage of games on the on the fly or on your phone or being played in the street those those kinds of things the technologies are not so separate anymore
2: and actually it's probably gaming driving this a lot because you can have you have an interactive usage pattern not a reactive one so it's not the couch potato that's the future actually it's more of this interactive in in our latest gaming report which was a couple of years ago now unfortunately but we said that 77 percent of all consumers aged 15 to 69 are gamers of some sort
0: it's a lot of difference
2: so gaming is it's mainstream and actually that's driven by smartphones because you still have the the nerds they're still there the heavy gamers but everyone else does it on smartphones so it is it become part of everyday culture if you wish
0: yeah and that's Sort of like if we bring into the latest report then of the the 10 odd consumer trends. Yes. You talk a lot about the everyday plaza.
2: No, it's not the everyday plaza, it's the every space plaza.
0: Oh, sorry. Yes. Every space.
2: Every space plaza. plaza.
0: And that is your new trend report for 2030, your latest hot consumer trends report.
2: Yes. And if I say a few things about that right away, I should say that. So back in the days, you know, we did a trend report that was sort of a bit of everything. But since we have been focusing on 2030 for the last three years, we have decided to sort of theme our insights into sort of group them a little bit to make it easier to sort of paint a total picture about 2030. So maybe we'll continue with 2030 next year. Who knows? So three years ago, we started to talk about the Internet of Senses which was this idea that actually we have been, if you think about what we've done, we've managed to, to put sound and vision on the internet, if you wish, you know, what we're doing right now, for example, we're talking. So telecommunications mean actually communication over distance, right? And then you have television, which is vision over distance. Uh, we now see that consumers are getting more and more open to the idea that other sensors could also be available over distance. So if you think about the future of telepresence and so on, we probably need to involve more of our sensory experience in order to make presence become something we can have over distance. So that was was the first one we did three years ago. And then last year, we did the Connected Intelligent Machines, which was then the take on how will automation and machine communication impact everyday consumer life in the future in 2030. And so that was themed around that. And this report this year then is focused on the hybrid future based on then the insight that what we've seen during the pandemic is, of course, extreme reliance on internet for a lot of different things. And it's also changed the experience base for everyone. People who didn't use the internet so much before the pandemic, they have been kind of forced to do it now, so we have lived in a future bubble. But we're also seeing that this is probably not going to go totally away because we have other challenges, such as the climate crisis, for example, that will make the cost of physical mobility higher in the future than it was in the past in, in relative terms. And so maybe some of these behaviors will actually continue, not only in workplaces, but also in consumer life. So it means a hybrid. When you combine digital and physical, some of the things you do like you did before, others you do totally remotely, but some of them you may mix and match. So you are physically in a place, but some of the experiences are digitally presented and integrated into the physical experience. So that was the theme. And then we decided, let's, just try to ask consumers about all of these ideas from the perspective of, imagine a shopping mall where you can have both digital and hybrid experiences and, and of course, physical experiences all together. And so that became then the idea of the Everspace Plaza. So this is an imaginary shopping mall. It doesn't exist, but it does come from the insight that if you go even back to the 50s, actually shopping malls were about high tech. So you had bowling alleys with automated, you know, machinery that took up the bowling pins. And, and you have big movie theaters with surround sound, not in the fifties, but I mean, going forward, you have all these kind of high tech things actually in shopping malls. So rather than everyone having to buy all this expensive gear themselves, maybe it's realistic to think about that in terms of a shopping mall kind of experience. And then, so we had consumers evaluate a larger number of concepts and we picked the top 10 and made that into uh, the 10 consumer trends report.
0: Yeah, and it's quite futuristic, the the experiences that the consumers are possibly expecting them. So if we go down to the technology behind, (laughs) this is a 5G podcast. So (laughs) 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 I had a a tweet talking about uh, 6G go out uh, the other day and people were very upset There were several people pinging me on Twitter and saying, like, how can you start talking about 6G already? And of course, I mean, we we can't really start talking about 6G when most of us just, at least for me, I don't even have 5G in my home or or anywhere close to me at the moment. Of course, we need to at least consider that it's going to happen. But Annette, you're keeping it uh, in the mobility report. You're not talking 6G because...
3: No, not yet, because a little bit like what I said before, we're we're talking about up until 2027. And if we look back, these different technology generations have come with like a 10-year interval. So I think uh, 6G will happen after 2027. So we haven't started to talk about, about 6G yet.
0: When do you think 6G will come?
3: As I said, we don't have a real prediction, but I guess around then, if if we look at when 5G came, which was like end of 2018, beginning of 2019, it would be sort of 10 years after that then. So 2029 perhaps? I don't know. What do you think, Michael?
2: Oh, um, yeah, well, since we talk about 2030 in our report, I would say then, yeah, maybe in that context. We don't actually look into the Gs from our perspective. So we 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 believe that there are lots of technical challenges from a communications system perspective in, in what we are talking about in this futuristic view and how you actually implement that could maybe be, you know, some of it being done in 5G and maybe you need more capability. So then maybe that's what's driving the next generation. I think there, there, need, there, there has to be a need for that as well. So maybe this is more about the needs perspective that we talk about.
1: But I think when it comes to 5G, we can, if we, if we learn from history, if we look at 4G, which kind of like came out in 2009, 2010, the performance you got from 4G when it came out was like 75 megabits per second or something maximum. You know, now you can do over a gigabit per second on 4G if you have the right spectrum, maybe one and a half, maybe even two gigabits per second. So, you know. When we look at 5G today, we shouldn't see it as a static thing that's always going to be the same. You know, we're already moving from non-standalone to standalone 5G. And I think over time, we'll see the performance of 5G, not just the availability of 5G, but the performance of 5G is also going to increase for consumers. So, you know, the nearer we get to 2030 and... I don't know. We had uh, the end of 2018 was was uh, 5G. So maybe 2028, 2029, maybe we start to see something you might call 6G. But 5G will will probably be a better and much more prevalent or widespread uh, technology than than we see today.
3: Absolutely, it will be. I mean, we see that by 2027, uh, 5G will be the major technology. I mean, like 4G is still the major technology today, with having about 60% of the. Of all the mobile subscriptions, we predict, and we, we can't say that it absolutely will be true, but we predict that 5G will have about 50% of all the mobile subscription in 2027 and cover, I think we say up until it's 75% of the world population. So it will definitely have come to be a mass market and, and sooner than 2027, of course, I think we say that the mass market usually happens around when the population coverage is somewhere around 40% and that we estimate to happen for 5G during 2023 sometime. Okay. It's taking off
0: fast. And it, uh, like uh, like you said before, it's uh, a very fast rollout of, of this new G. So a possible scenario might be that there will not be a 6G. It will not be the same stepwise approach to the changing of technology, but more of a long-term development. Is that a possibility?
2: I think so again, I mean maybe putting a date for this switch isn't at least the most important thing. So from my perspective it it is more what what will people use this for, so to speak then so coming more from the usage perspective and so you said that these concepts in this the everspace plus trend report now uh, are very futuristic. actually, to our astonishment. This is the one report where we've had higher believe that this will happen right than any other report we've done in the past. Just so we put it in context here. But if you look at it from a technical perspective, actually making this sort of integrated physical and digital hybrid world come alive, that will be that will require, if we talk from a bandwidth or traffic or whatever perspective, that will be a huge challenge, actually. So there's, there is a big need to think about, you know, how can these things be implemented? And when you integrate digital, so if you think about having kind of an AR experience where something is happening digitally in front of you in a physical surrounding, you also have to think about the fact that the device you're using needs to have a special map of everything around you. Because let's say that you put this sort of the typical example would, today would be a Pokemon in front of you, this sort of pocket monster, if you know the game, Pokemon Go, and you can see it's standing on the floor, but then a person walks in between you and this digital creature. Then you have to make sure that the the digital creature isn't displayed on top of the person because that would break the illusion that it's actually in the room, right? So you have to have all of this happening. And if you do that in a crowded shopping mall kind of scenario, this means a lot of uplink requirements uh, as well as then spatial mapping requirements and stuff that we haven't really seen in the past. So, so already there, I think you can see that this, even though from a expectation perspective, it's very a lot of people think this will happen. To actually delivering that, I think that's going to be the interesting part for me. If we call that uh, this G or that G, I mean.
0: Mm. Yeah,
3: that's uh, that's the second question. Yeah. But it's very interesting, I think, that so many people expect this to happen. I mean, it's very, a lot of the scenarios are very attractive, I think, and you would really want them to happen. But it's, it's interesting.
0: When you do the mobility report, I guess you have to also, like, you in a way have to predict the future to be able to, like, okay, what do we think will take off and, and which numbers do you think will be real? And you're usually quite good at that. So do you, Follow the 10 Hot Consumer Labs in, in some way when you are doing the mobility report so you, you also have a, an idea of what's going to happen and then how much traffic would
3: this technology take? I think we have to. Yes, absolutely, we do. And and not just the 10 Hot Consumer Trends, but other reports as well. And we have had several cooperations with Consumer Lab in writing different articles. Like we we don't just have the forecast section in the report, but also feature articles. And we've had several articles that we have done together with Consumer Lab just to get the consumer view and aspect into there. So it's absolutely, I mean, of course, a lot of the forecasting is linear, as, as Michael said, and you look at what has happened before. But we also look at, at trends, what, what are, what's happening. We look at other reports, both internal and external and macroeconomic factors and so on.
0: So when it comes to this uh, Every Space Plaza, what can you see from the mobility report in the numbers would be needed to sort of support? it? I mean, now you're only going to 2027, so it's not quite into 2030. But do you see not, We're as, not daring. as daring? now. <laughs> but what do you see the trends will be that you can that you, you have in the actual forecasts that's that's needed for this?
3: I mean, sub- subscriptions will be saturated, I, I think, sooner or later. I mean, there's only so many people on earth, so uh, perhaps the traffic figures that we have now are not showing the reality that we see in the 10 hot consumer trends or the the extended reality and the expected or extended reality, yes. But then again, when you do forecasting, which is very difficult, of course, there's always things happening that you can't really forecast. So if we look at the graph we always have, where we look at traffic growth for each quarter, we also show the growth rate uh, year on year. And there we could see that... There's there's always bumps on that. If we look 10 years back, we can see three specific events happening that really increased traffic much more than what we had forecasted, because it was simply events that were very difficult to, to forecast. I mean, one of them was in 2015, when the operators or service providers in the U.S. started to offer zero rated video. That sort of bumped up the traffic in North America. So to that extent, it was clearly visible in the global figures. The same thing in 2017, when there was a new entrant in in India, GEO. And they had very attractive offerings to their new customers. I think it was for three months, it was free voice and data. And that also bumped up the traffic a lot. So things like that, that will happen if there's new business models, uh, new devices, certainly. I mean, the smartphone has has been around now for over 10 years. And what, what will be sort of the next hot device? And that is an
0: amazing question as well. (laughs)
3: <laughs> that's an amazing question which i don't know if anyone can answer i've
0: heard that michael is one of the heaviest user of glasses of virtual reality glasses VR. right No, no is that true?
2: there are no glasses yet so no i'm a v i use a vr headset so a uh, vr uh, headset yeah yes. so i think the difference between glasses and headsets is that a headset is like having a box on on, on top of your head you know so it's it's bulky and nerdy and a bit cumbersome and heavy as well, unfortunately. So, yeah, I spent actually more than three working years in, in VR, actually. So don't tell my employer about that one, though. But,
0: uh... <laughs> <laughs> Difficult to hide now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> actually, we, we try to live as we learn. So during the pandemic, we've had everyone in consumer industry lab, they actually have VR headsets and we've been doing meetings and, and things in VR, actually, too. And we've also done research on how how we ourselves experience that way of uh, meeting and working together. Because what you've seen in the pandemic, uh, if you think about it from a a business uh, user perspective, what we've seen is that, so so actually, so efficiency hasn't gone down. Surprisingly, I think to a lot of people that, that, you know, the efficiency level haven't dropped for many companies during the pandemic, actually. But the feeling of social cohesion and sort of social belonging to your work group and stuff, those have been challenged and what we have been seeing is that when you actually do work when you work together in VR actually it's a social dimension that everyone appreciates very much they start talking about actually meeting people actually being there when we do a video call it's it's like watching tv you can very easily disconnect from the person even though you see the person it's not being there you know so that's that's why efficiency works over flat screens but moving into VR changes that
1: so you sit at home and work with your VR headset on and uh, you sit on your laptop and then it superimposes the beach and the ocean and, uh, and the, in the background, in, in your foreground.
2: No, no, totally. It's the opposite uh, way. So I go to the beach and then in this virtual reality headset, I get a, a fake PC so that people think I'm working. So it's the other way around. But okay. But I think the device that we really, that I believe is going to be the, the next big device is going to be AR glasses. So first of all, it won't be headsets, it will be glasses, and it won't be VR, it will be AR. And I think if we go back again, I think, I mean, there was a big a, a big bump as well, at least in our statistics, that actually started in 2011. That's when the hockey stick for for smartphones took off. And that was not something that I think Mobility Report or any other linearly oriented company working on predictions could foresee because it was not, it was a paradigmatic shift actually. The smartphone changed our industry fundamentally. We went from a caller pace to a receiver pace business model without even understanding it ourselves. That's, I mean, it changed everything. And what we are saying now is that this is the next paradigmatic shift when we move into XR. It will change everything. So the, I don't think it's fair to believe if you just work on linear predictions, you will never be able. The whole idea with the paradigmatic shift is that it's not linear. That other forces drive it.
1: But having said yeah. that, I, I have this view when it comes to what we will see in the future is that it's it's always linked to what the technology can deliver. When you look at processing power and when you look at communication speeds, all of those are moving forward. At a fairly steady pace. So, you know, if if you can see your application in the future and understand what's that going to need for processing, what's that going to need for communication, then, you know, from that trend of how processing and communication speeds are going, you can say, well, at at that point in the future, this becomes
2: possible. I agree with you fully. And back then in 2011, technology could deliver connected laptops. That didn't happen. Okay. Technology can deliver a lot of things. Some of them will happen. Others don't. What was the important thing that technology... So this is my trick question back to you. <laughs> what was the important thing that technology could deliver back then? Back
1: in... Uh, 2011, in, roughly, whatever. In 2011? In um, oh, that's a, that's, that's a tricky question.
2: <laughs> so I'll, I'll answer it instead then. It could deliver touch and swipe. Okay, yes. So you went you changed the interface to the internet. So instead of keyboard, which means you have to be literate and all that stuff, and you have to be sitting down and all that stuff, It delivered touch and swipe, so you could do anything everywhere, and that was the smartphone. So technology could deliver a lot of things, Mm. but touch and swipe was the one that changed everything. What we're seeing now is that technology can deliver a lot of things, but actually putting the Internet on your head is the one that would change everything. So it's the next interface to the Internet, and that's going to change everything.
3: (laughs) <laughs> and I think it's usually easier when, when you get further further into a technology cycle. I mean, if we look back again to, to Ericsson Mobility Report, the first, like you said, Michael, we, we did get some of the drivers wrong for, for the sort of early part of, of 4G. And when we predict the number of smartphones, for example, or for even 4G subscriptions. But then as we have sort of the, the technology have matured and you can more see what, what is actually happening, it, it tends to get easier, of course. But then it gets harder again when there's new technology coming into.
2: And And I think that's where we are, while well, we're having this interesting discussion right now, because I think we may be approaching that junction again. So where yeah, it yeah. where linear predictions will continue to be linear, of course, but there are signs telling us that maybe there could be something else happening. And the question is, how do we evaluate these two sources of information?
0: Michael, one last question. Do you, do you consider yourself an early adopter?
2: Well, well, yes, I suppose specifically when it comes to AR and VR, yes. Uh, not so much when it comes to virtual assistants. So I think early adopters can be of different types you know so yes in that sense i would be probably an early doctor so what you very often hear when you talk about then this sort of more experience-based view on the future is that well you know i disagree but for instance this is what i am doing you know a lot of people they always use themselves as the example so i'm trying to to avoid that by saying i don't believe that vr is the future actually as it is today even though i personally, would like to have that future because I really like VR, actually. I think it's a lot of fun, you know. But.
0: Cool. Annette, same question to you. Do you consider yourself an early adopter, perhaps of something?
3: I think that's very easy for me to answer. No, I don't consider myself an early adopter. Specifically after spending yesterday reading the, the latest uh, 10 hot, uh, consumer trends. Uh, although I must, I must say that I really like some of the scenarios uh, I would love for those things to happen. But just actually... Which one in particular? I mean, I, I would love this to be able to go into a nature park, for example, going to a mall and then being able to discover all different types of uh, going on a safari perhaps, or or even like a museum where you go into different historical events and sort of really taking part of that. Those things really a- appeal to me. Soos
0: without actual animals having to be in cages, that would be awesome.
3: Yeah, yeah, being able to feel like you're there, even though you're not there. So that would be great. But actually just looking at what we then report in the Ericsson Mobility Report, which is the average data consumption per smartphone a month. I don't think I even get up to the global average, which is just about 11 gigabytes per month now. But on the global average, I i don't think I even reach that. So no, I, I must uh, <laughs> I must learn. Something more from Michael, I think <laughs> michael what should we, what should she learn about?
2: <laughs> no, I want to answer the same question, which is my yes, favorite trend, go. okay, so for me, it's the anverse pool, the one that's on the cover where you put on uh, gear and you go into a swimming pool, an actual physical swimming so again, this is hybrid, right, so you actually go into the water, but you experience space around you, for example, so you 've experienced weightlessness because you're in in the pool but you see the universe or whatever, or a space adventure in front of you. And actually, that service is already being provided by a startup today. So just so we connect back to where we are today, it's not just science fiction, actually. Uh, So there's actually a small company providing swimming experience where you put on these big bulky headsets for now then and go underwater
3: with them. Cool.
0: Interesting. I think that's a good end. And we say for everyone who wants to know more about the fascinating trends of the Every Space Plaza uh, of the future, please read the 10-Hot Consumer Trends from Ericsson's Consumer and Industry Lab. And we'll add a link in our show notes to the report. Thank you so much, Annette. And Michael for being on the podcast. And thanks everyone for listening. And bye.
3: Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you.